Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors, they got their fourth ring, at least the, the core four did. And it was ring night. They beat the Lakers handily, 123-109 in a game that was never in question. It was cool to see Juan Toscano-Anderson, who's now obviously on the Lakers, be there, get his ring, be part of the ceremony, getting uh, his name called out, going to uh, shake Adam Silver's hand, getting his ring from Peter Goober and Joe Laca, taking part in the photos, all that stuff. You know, love JTA. Hope he does well. I think Lakers fans will probably really, really like having him on their team, even though overall the Lakers are not very good. So it was cool to see, cool to see the smile on Clay's face and just remembering the 2019 finals, how tough that was, how heartbreaking seeing him go through this journey and getting snippets of how tough it was for him. So it makes it all the more worth it. So props to the Warriors. Congratulations to them again. Uh, Getting to the game, it was, like I said, never in doubt. The Warriors got a lead up to 27. The Lakers threatened, kind of forced the Warriors starters to have to play minutes in the third and fourth, deep into the fourth, to secure the win. But, you know, I first have to also say a shout out to all the people out there who in 2020 thought the Warriors should trade the number two pick that became James Wiseman for some random vet that they thought could be like a band-aid to help that team after Clay towards Achilles help that team, you know, just make the playoffs. And then shout out to all the people who in the summer of 2021 wanted to trade Wiggins and his contract, Poole, Wiseman, and the two picks that became Moody and Kaminga, the number seven and number 14 picks for Ben Simmons, for Bradley Beal, for Damian Lillard. Like those three guys, you know, they are who they are, but that's just ridiculous, right? I was like adamant about not doing that. And I know a lot of you out there agreed with me, but there were folks who were just like, you know, kind of in weird panic mode, like we got to take care of uh, Steph's prime. We got to win now. These guys aren't proven, but like not knowing that this is how dynasties die, which is basically they get really top heavy in terms of salary, they get old, and then they don't have anybody younger who's actually promising, and then they just peter out. Sure, teams, they tend to draft late when they're that good and when they're winning titles, and sometimes they'll find somebody, but not anybody who's going to be a cornerstone, let alone guys like Poole, Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, who potentially are four cornerstones already. So I'm not here so much to say, I told you so, but it's like, hopefully there's perspective with this whole thing that you got to take a long view with this team sometimes, right? Because game to game, there is a bigger picture. I think it's clearer now, especially after winning a title with this grouping, that there shouldn't be like these crazy knee-jerk reactions to things like uh, Kerr saying two years ago, we're not chasing wins uh, or Kerr not doing enough like pick and roll and stuff like that. There is a method to the madness, you know what I mean? And of course, it's not just you know, like 
fans out there. It's also national media who's just calling stuff out, looking for stuff to talk about. Again, it's funny to me to hear uh, Charles Barkley declare in the pregame show that maybe the Warriors could win the next three or four titles, which, you know, we've been saying for a while, right? And then right before the game started, Reggie Miller talking about the Warriors youth and saying that it's such a good thing. I'm not saying Reggie was against it before, but, you know, just this general narrative that like, wow, you know, like they are really, really talented. And when so many people were naysayers about this whole plan. So it's wild. It's wild. Right. Especially like the idea that, you know, trading like the two picks from 2021 and then Wiseman, who was injured, uh, Poole, who had just shown some flashes in the playing games against Memphis and the Lakers, and then Wiggins, who people thought was still just going to flame out. And he was the contract that you had to attach, right? I think there was even chatter of a lesser package with some of those pieces for Pascal Siakam, which I was adamantly <laughs> against, you know? But anyway, that being said, getting to the game. Uh, the Warriors started off slow and the Lakers started off slow. It was kind of ugly. No one could shoot. No one could throw the ball in the ocean. But you were never really nervous because you know that the Warriors, their problem was that it was ring night. They were distracted, the focus, all this hubbub and everything. And you knew that they would start off slow. The Lakers, you just know that they're not very good. They're just, they can't shoot. It's going to be every night. LeBron and AD, as long as they're healthy, it's going to be them getting their numbers and then Russell chipping in, getting some of his numbers, but then just having weird post-game interviews where they ask him about how he's feeling and being traded and adversity and all that stuff. So they got to move Russ. (laughs) They definitely do for some legitimate role players and pieces that they could put either in the starting lineup or have come off the bench. You know, like right now, the Lakers just, you know, this is not a good team. But one thing that I saw from the Warriors, I mean, you have the starters, right, who are like just entrenched in who they are, what they've done, how they execute, how they look at a game, how they look at a season, what they see to the postseason, all that stuff. But what I wanted to see was from the young guys, the guys like Poole, Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, who have that post-finals championship bump, right? It's something that you see when guys play for the national team, the Olympics, uh, where they get to a certain level and their confidence and their abilities kind of rise. You see it with title teams, right? You see it with the Bucks, the previous year. You even see it with teams that make it to the finals and lose. You saw it with the Suns last season. They all improved. You could see this level of purpose, intention, confidence. And you saw it with the Warriors after they won their first title, right? That's what led them to 73 wins because all of a sudden they'd been to the most competitive level and they'd won. So looking at these young guys, you can see the confidence and how they go about their business and they just know. And with this Warriors team, like I said, a couple episodes ago, they just have so much plain talent, just talent. Right. And like I said, three hall of famers, maybe four with Andre and then three lottery picks. And then guys like Wiggins and pool who just signed 25 plus million a year contracts, you know? So There's just a lot, a lot of talent and there's variation in ages. You know, there's there's the vets, there's the guys in the middle, like Looney. Technically, you could put Poole in there and then 
Wiggins, and then you have the young guys, and then the rookies. You can clump all them together. So it's like a very, very – I've said this before. It's almost like a powerhouse college basketball program where they have just classes and classes of players that can you know grow, support the – the vets and all that stuff. It's just going to be waves of talent coming at other teams. I actually think this is kind of silly, but like I actually think like nights where some of the starters get in foul trouble are going to be just fine. Right. Cause I think there was a point where uh pool got a couple fouls or Wiggins got a couple fouls. Wiggins got up to five fouls a year ago, two years ago. You're like, Oh man, Wiggins is in foul trouble. But if he's in foul trouble, you could throw, Kaminga in there you could throw clay at the three once he gets cleared for more minutes you can throw moody in there you can put Jamichael green and go bigger move people around so <laughs> they have a bunch of dudes who can just step up and fill in so like it's it's crazy to me i don't think i've ever seen a team that that in theory wouldn't be in big trouble if one of their main starters got into bad foul trouble you know, people talk about how this is reminiscent of the 2014, 2015 first title team, the strength and numbers team. And it is, it is. The big difference, of course, is that team had experience. That team had a bunch of dudes who had been starters in the past, right? Maybe not long-term featured starters, but starters nonetheless. You had Andre coming off the bench, David Lee coming off the bench, Sean Livingston, who, you know, you know his story, Leandro Barbosa, who used to get starting minutes at times. Murray Spates. So like you had dudes who had definite talent. I mean, Andre had made an all-star team and he was an Olympian. David Lee was an all-star. So that's what you have there. But I think this grouping of guys, because they have such a higher ceiling, because they haven't reached their ceilings and they're hungry and they're energetic, they want to win. And they also want Honestly, they want their rookie extensions. They want their next contract. They want what Pool has, you know? So I think that this situation is very, very unique. And I've said that before, and I'll keep saying it, because watching this team is pretty much a new experience for me, if that makes sense, right? It's like you're looking at this roster, and you know you don't want to be too hyperbolic, but the potential of this team is kind of insane. Yes, a lot of stuff needs to break right. No, not everything always breaks right. But just here and now, it's looking pretty good. And it's it's cool to see the national media realize that. But it's also like, wow, they really, really changed their tune pretty, pretty quickly. You know, people hyping up Wiseman, people hyping up Kaminga. You know, people were saying Kaminga was raw. He couldn't play. I mean, we, we know he needs like more reps, but the tone has changed. And same with Wiseman, of course. So it's it's going to be nuts. I mean, it's the equivalent of taking a team with a really, really promising young core right now, like a team that's maybe like, you know, still a bottom feeder or fringe, and then putting them on a team with Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, Andre, Looney. So James Wiseman got into the game in the first quarter at the six-minute mark and got to play with the starters. He looked good. He looked decent. You know, he looks like, again, this is his first game regular season game in front of fans you believe that and i love watching him play against ad when he first played against ad in 2020's rookie year he looked out of sorts right a little jittery a little like deer in the headlights now he just looks calmer right and it's crazy too because ad is actually a little shorter 
than James Wiseman. I think AD is officially 6'10". Wiseman is 7'1". Seven, seven, and just seeing Wiseman's athleticism out there is just impressive. Before he got drafted, what I liked about him was that he was one of those big dudes, one of those rare big dudes who could kind of play like a little guy. You can see him. We've seen him push the ball up the court. We saw that as rookie year. He probably won't do that as much this season until maybe the second half of the season. Before he got drafted, we'd seen snippets of video of him getting like in a defensive stance on the perimeter against a smaller player. He did that against Pat Beverly in this game. He got down and forced Pat Beverly to pass out of it, right? Beverly, you know, dribbled around a little bit, didn't do anything, and then passed out. And then seeing Wiseman run the floor, I used to say he runs like a gazelle. He still does. You know, he runs like a like a dude who's 6'6". For example, if you watch Anthony Davis, who's had all those injuries over the years and is almost 30 years old, he runs kind of like a seven-footer, right? A little rickety looking, a little stiff looking, whereas Wiseman, he can just get up the court faster than most small guys. Wiseman played 17 minutes. He was four for six. Missed all of his free throws, got to work on that. He's probably got some nerves and whatnot. Uh, seven boards, one block, eight points. Not bad, not bad to start. In the second quarter, we saw a lineup of Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, and Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, that's a really fun lineup to me. And again, like it's just, it's crazy that, you know, these rotations, they're a little bit different from before so far. We'll see how they persist, but like it's interesting because. Kerr is tying James Wiseman and Kaminga's minutes together because Kaminga came in at the four-minute mark in the first quarter instead of bringing in Moody, who everybody assumed Moody would be, you know, out of those three, the first off the bench. So I'm sure this stuff will uh, evolve. Wiseman played pretty much 12 straight minutes, like from the middle of the first quarter to the second. So it was interesting to see him go for a while like that's a really good sign he got the break between quarters but that his body his confidence the coaching staff the training staff medical staff that they have enough confidence in his body to put him out there for long stretches NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Obviously, I ride or die with your Golden State Warriors. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Jamichael Green, I mean, that dude, just to mention him, again, like people were wringing their hands over missing Otto Porter Jr. and losing him in the offseason, but... Uh, Green played 23 minutes, three for six, two for three from three, seven boards, a steal, eight points. I mean, that's that's what you want. You know, the thing is, is like he hit a couple threes and just like every guy who joins the Warriors as a free agent, he just finds himself totally wide open. It's like a practice three. So 
he might he might start hitting at close to his career peak this season. He won't get as many shots up, of course, as maybe his most prolific year, but just having wide open threes is something that people have benefited from Steph's gravity over the years. And I look forward to seeing more from him. And I think people not necessarily will forget Otto Porter Jr., but they will understand that over the years, this is how the Warriors have operated on the fringes of their bench, to be honest, right? Picking up dudes who either want to rehab their value or chase a ring. And, you know, that's where Otto Porter Jr. came in last season. That's where Gary Payton II had always come in. And that's where Jamichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo come in. Another thing about Gary Payton II, again, no offense, love the dude, but we didn't see him run and pick and roll with anybody last season, right? You see Dante DiVincenzo doing that with James Wiseman. And even if Wiseman were healthy last year, I don't think uh, GP2 would have been given that responsibility of running the second unit offense. So uh, whereas, as we've said, like Gary Bain second is a far superior athlete and on-ball defender, DiVincenzo, he ain't no slouch, but also he's just more of a overall better offensive player being able to play both guard spots, run point, and then also just run around for open threes and move the ball and stuff like that. We saw some of that lineup that we saw in the Denver series last season, which was Steph, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, Draymond. That's the one where Poole really established himself in the first few games of the first round. And let's be honest, that lineup is just going to be better this year, right? I think the only player in that group that might see a drop-off is is Draymond just because of how he plays and his history. Poole, he's 23. He'll be better. Wiggins, he'll be better. Steph, solid, not changing. Clay, he'll be better. So that new death lineup or whatever people want to call it, that's going to be really, really interesting to see. Like seeing in games, seeing how they close it out. Because of course, they're not as good defensively as maybe the traditional death lineup with an Andre Godal out there. But they have Poole, who is, I mean, the shooting of that lineup, which is Steph Clay Poole. Are you kidding me? Like, how are you going to guard that? And then Wiggins, he can still play, right? He's good on offense. His three-pointer is more consistent. So I think defensively, if Clay gets a little bit better, maybe he won't get to where he was before the, the series of injuries. But I think that... If you have Dre, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, who has proven himself to be a solid defender, and then hopefully Poole is a little bit better on defense. So they won't be as bad. But in terms of shooting, like pick your poison, man. You thought the Splash Brothers were tough to guard when it was just two of them. Then you throw in Poole, and then you still have an offensive killer like Wiggins. Uh, that that's That's just rough. That's rough for, for other teams. And then when they play bigger teams, they can always sub in somebody else, like a Wiseman eventually, or a Looney, or a Kaminga. Real quick on Andrew Wiggins, he looks so much more comfortable now. And it's not like he wasn't before, but just like, again, he got that championship bump. He got the bump of signing for a new deal. And he seems like one of those guys that it might 
probably have kind of affected him a little bit, the uncertainty and whatnot of not having an extension. So he seems to be playing free and with this newfound bounce in the step, this confidence. And he showed a new and improved step back three, which kind of surprised me. He used it twice, I believe. Overall, he was four for seven from three. But I remember the step back uh, two times. And it just looked a lot more fluid, a lot more natural. So that's something to keep an eye on. He didn't, I mean, he used it last season, but it looked a little bit more clunky. He used it a couple of times in this game. And there was one, the second one was on the near side uh, to the camera and it was on LeBron and he just got so much separation. He just dipped in and then like took the step back and just nailed it. So that's just another another weapon. I mean, on this team, legitimately, legitimately, and not even just hyping it up too much, but there's four guys on this team who could legit go for 30 any given night. I'm not saying they're going to average 30. That's impossible. <laughs> but you have Steph, you have Clay, you have Poole, you have Wiggins. 25 to 30 any given night. Not every night, but any given night. So if like someone's not having it, then another guy can step up and most likely will. And then you have on the bench, these young dudes like Wiseman, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, any of those guys could on a hot night when Kerr gives them the minutes and the green light, any of those guys could just go for 15 to 20 at any point. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of if somebody gets in foul trouble or fouls out, there's always going to be somebody else to step up. If Poole gets in foul trouble, you have Clay, you have Dante DiVincenzo, you have Moses Moody. Same for Wiggins, same for Draymond, right? If Draymond gets in foul trouble, you could play Looney a little bit more. You could play Kaminga. You could play Joe Michael Green. You could play James Wiseman. So there's not many holes on this team, to be honest. The only hole is uh, making sure that the young guys get even better and it's a huge huge advantage that they were able to play under the big bright lights of the playoffs and the finals and win just getting a taste of the playoffs is something but like getting all the way to the end that's just a huge huge accelerated learning curve you know what i mean even for wiseman who got to experience it and again i love just looking at the bench on the warriors bench and seeing wiseman in uniform on the bench as opposed to like in a hoodie behind the bench. But yeah, to be honest, I think this team might be even better than we thought because they always had that potential, right? Like the thing about the 2014-2015 team is like those vets had a ceiling. You knew who they were and some of them were already like on the tail end of their careers. This team, you don't know what the ceiling is. And over the summer, you know, there was talk about like, okay, we'll see, we'll see. We've seen some evidence Right, We know from last season, we've seen from preseason, we've seen in this game what the makeup of this team is. And just imagine this team come Christmas time, assuming health, you know, seeing how much more confident Wiseman is, Moody, Kaminga, etc. Seeing how they look after the All-Star break during the stretch run of the season. Seeing how they look when you need, knock on wood, there's no major injuries. But like, you know, if anybody has to miss a month, two months. There's enough guys to hold down the fort. And just as I've always said with this team, it's prepping for the playoffs for that 16 win run to get the title. 
So this is going to be a really fun season. I mean, every season during this dynasty has been interesting and fun. But when you look at the freshness, the newness of this experience, then, like I said earlier, this is nothing that I've ever seen. So, you know, enjoy the ride, right? There's 81 more games. You get Denver at Chase Center again on Friday. So definitely see you after that one. Also, a quick programming note, as long as I've done game recaps on this podcast, I've done them immediately after the game. Like I would post them, you know, like in the middle of the night, early morning. This season, I'm going to be doing more stuff like the day after. Honestly, just because as much as I loved it, and I love talking about this team no matter what, uh, it was just (laughs) killing me not getting (laughs) enough sleep. So hopefully you still tune in. Hopefully you can get used to that newer schedule and adjust because, uh, you know, love hearing all your guys' takes on YouTube, on Instagram or Twitter, whatever, you know. So hopefully you stick around for the ride because it's going to be a really, really entertaining one like probably you've never seen. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the basketball podcast network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show, on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.